Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning. My name is Lawrence, and I'm your leader for this meeting, and I am recovering from lust. Hey, good morning. And our topic this morning is relations with, let me just make sure I get it, relations with other addicts. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Amen. I'd like to remind everybody that this is a tape meeting in the spirit of the 12th step. The tape recorder cannot be turned off. If you do not wish to be taped, we suggest that you choose another meeting at which to share or to share or feel free to simply listen at this meeting. At this time, I would like to introduce our speaker, Chip, who will share his experience, strength, and hope for approximately 10 minutes. And again, our topic is relations with other addicts. Thank you, Lawrence. I'm Chip. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic, alcoholic, and drug addict. I feel like this is the one breakout I can actually say that. Um, the uh, session is a discussion of our experiences attending other 12-step meetings. Should we be going to other 12-step meetings, and how do we interact with others in these meetings? What if I have multiple addictions and need other meetings? Uh, the simple answer from my perspective and what I've done is I go. That's the short version. Um, and in many of these fellowships, uh, well, I go to SA, AA, and NA on occasion. Um, I have experience in these addictions and uh, much more recovery uh, from at least the acting out portion in these addictions uh, than I do in this fellowship. Uh, when I hit the streets after treatment, I hit... Uh, between seven and nine meetings a week using uh, the S-fellowships, AA and NA. Um, Initially, uh, I sat in these fellowships and kept my mouth shut and listened. Um, As confidence returned and comfort with my addiction um, started increasing, from time to time I own this addiction in other fellowships, when I feel that it's appropriate. 
if I hear people in other fellowships talking about Internet porn, um, sometimes I will own this addiction. Uh, it's, it's created some good connections in some of these other rooms that people have come up. We've, we've talked afterwards, uh, and one or two people have come into the S fellowships as a result of this issue. Uh, in, uh, one instance, um, it didn't, it, it was interesting. I think I touched on a nerve and, and I was confronted in a podium style meeting. And I simply sat back in my chair and didn't get involved in the controversy. And the individuals that uh, connected with what I had to say, we got together after the meeting and talked about it. Um, that's pretty much my experience with the uh, sex addiction aspect of owning it directly in meetings. Uh, there is another need for me. Um, all AA approved, approved literature is essay approved literature. And um, I feel very comfortable in an AA meeting. And the way that I uh, speak is basically in the solution. Because that's what meetings are to me, are solution-based sessions. So I work the same 12 principles in this fellowship that AA works in their fellowship, NA works in their fellowship, probably GA, OA, et cetera, et cetera. Um, people I work with, uh, I... Uh, suggest a 90 meeting and 90 day agenda and uh, and as I tell them I don't care which fellowship you go to I suggest you try to hit as many SA meetings as you can if you can't hit an SA meeting then hit an AA meeting if there isn't an AA meeting hit an NA meeting uh, it's the same 12 principles the AA stuff is the straight stuff to me it's the God inspired uh I'm a huge Dr. Bob fan. I love the humility, his spiritual quest, and um, I found it very applicable. So with that, um, that's pretty much my experience, strength, and hope in this area. And uh, I'd like to, I guess, open the meeting up or turn it back over to Lawrence. Okay, would someone be good enough to bring a chair up up here? I'd like to thank Chip for your share, and we'd now like to open the floor for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized by me. No cross-talking, please. Please keep your share to two to three minutes, allowing everyone to share his or her experience. And please stay close to the microphone. You'll have to come and sit in this chair and speak clearly. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA the 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs. Well, I guess in this, in this meeting we should discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, 
Okay, cancel that. Philosophies, uh, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors, I don't know if this applies, or publications other than SA or AA conference approved literature. That should apply. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is the, is recovery, the solution, using the steps in our daily lives. And please remember that this meeting is being taped. Warren? Oh, my name is Warren. Good morning. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Okay, first, uh, I just want to say I'm very grateful to God and to this fellowship because um, I learn new things every day about other people, about myself, about the world about the cunning mind of the addict, about the sickness, the illness. And this, to me, to me, this is one of the most spiritual places in the world, um, outside of the places that I pray and, and study Torah. And this is one of the most spiritual places in the world, if not the most spiritual. I'm very grateful that God got me here. Uh, and as soon as I saw this topic, I said, I'm there. Sometimes uh, things are like yelling at you, shouting at you. You know, as soon as you see it or hear it, I'm sure as an addict, we can understand that, you know. Pass by a story, pass, this is for me, this. So, this, at least that happened to me. So, I, I was gravitating. I just wanted to share just a little bit. I wrote it down so I can get it straight. And before I talk about these people that, that I have trouble with in the addiction, good friends, I'm very good friends, I'm not such good friends, but I want to say I'm guilty of each one of these things myself all these character defects, and I'm working on it one day at a time. <clears throat> so I have a lot of people in program that have difficulty with, I'm just going to name the adjectives and then go through a little bit and then give somebody else a chance to talk. Leechiness, someone who's very leechy, dependent, depressed or depressing, controlling, egomaniac, verbally abusive, self-pity, and people that, he added another one to my list, one of the speakers before, the controversy. People are always into controversy. Wherever you go, there's a controversy. Something always going on. So I just want to say, um, it's difficult, especially the ones that are self-pitying and leechy. I have a guy in Manhattan, he does not leave me alone. He calls me, he'll call me like two, three times, and then he'll forget about something, whatever, then he'll call me back again, and he's just so leechy, he's very dependent. I feel, I feel sorry for him, yes. By the way, I once heard a definition, what's called abusive parents uh, or dysfunctional parents, parents that you feel sorry for, you have pity for them. That's called them. But the, but the thing is that I I need, at least I feel that I need to stay away from these people. And um, it's not easy uh, when, when you take everything so sensitively, and um, I need to work on it. It's at least probably as much as a struggle as to stay sober from the lost. You know, so I, I need to separate with love or separate with caution or just, you know, separate even if I have to say a few words at a higher volume, if you know what I mean, without screaming or embarrassing the person. Okay, I'll just give you one example, then I'm going to let it go. I, there was a guy in the 12-step meeting, and he, his whole body motion and everything about him just reeks of self-pity. He comes in the room, his head down. He doesn't always, like, smell so nice. And... I used to take him in the car all the time after the meeting. One time I said, you know what, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. 
you know, some people say, don't say can't. I just couldn't do it for my health. I just couldn't do it. So I just said, I can't take you. Can't take you. I never see him afterwards in a meeting, but it's not my responsibility to worry and, and hold up the world, you know. It says in step 12, carry the message. Can't carry the person. So I just want to say I have to have my boundaries. I'm a sick person too. Hello? You know, I'm a sick person too. And I only have so much to go around. I am not God. Not just I'm not God with control of the lust. I'm not God, period. And thank you so much for listening to me. My name's Jeff. I'm grateful to be a sexaholic. <clears throat> now, because I'm afraid of admitting my disease in other meetings, at my other meeting I say, I'm an alcoholic and my name is Jeff. And uh, I haven't slipped up in that way uh, since. Um, although at, at my home group of AA, uh, most of the members there that know me know that I am in, in Sexaholics Anonymous. Um, when Only when the topic of sex comes up, since a men's meeting, it comes up quite often, um, I will share and say I'm a member of a fellowship that uh, uh, deals with addiction to sexual lust. And if anyone wants to hear my story or has any questions, they can talk to me after the meeting. Uh, and then I continue to share about, you know, the 12-step program and, and, and my alcoholism in that meeting. Um, and, and I have had several people, you know, come to me uh, out after the meetings uh, for with questions. Um my first fellowship was Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, when I was, I came in when I was 22, and uh, um, uh, it was relatively easy for me to get sober and stay sober in AA. Um, and I came into sexual recovery when I was 24, and that was a real challenge. Um, so uh, I had, I realized that soon uh, after going to trying to juggle both fellowships, that I really needed to deal with my core addiction. Uh, which was, which is lust. Uh, and, and get sexually sober and concentrate on that. It was really easy for me to go to an AA meeting and, and talk a good talk, even though I wasn't walking a good walk. Uh, and, and, and be a big fish in a small pond in my meetings. Um, but, uh, it was a real challenge to be a beginner in, in the S fellowship that I was in. So uh, I weaned myself away from AA at that time and stopped going to all AA meetings because uh, because my lust addiction was was one of the main reasons for my drinking anyway. Uh, so I I stuck with SA, went to uh, practically a meeting a day in SA in the beginning, uh, and uh, and worked through the steps, and then started to integrate AA back into my life. And I love I love AA. It's it's a valuable asset to my recovery, and and I recommend open AA meetings to anybody uh, in SA. Um, they set a very good example of structure, uh, following the traditions and step work. Um, and uh, if you find a good step meeting that that focuses on the literature, you'll hear. Um, you may not even know that it's an AA meeting. They might not talk about alcohol at all. They'll talk about working the steps, and that's universal for anybody for any addict. Um, but uh, uh, another thing that I uh, have uh, have to deal with is people that are in active addiction uh, at work and and friends and family, and I realize that all I can do is uh, do the best I can to work the best program I can and set a good example. Um, and and if they see a change in me, if they see something that they want in me, then they'll ask me. 
I can't criticize them. I have no right to criticize them and, and at all because I can, I can see myself in them and I've done the same stuff that they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd be very hypocritical if I were to, to talk down to them. Um, so, uh, uh, I can tell them a little bit of my story if they're, if they're interested. Uh, that's about as far as I can go. Um, and, uh, uh, it's been, it's been a great experience, you know, being able to, uh, share in, uh, more than one fellowship and, uh, and to see, you know, different, different aspects of, of this addiction. But I have to continue to remember that, that essay for me, essay is my core addiction. So anyone who has multiple addictions, my recommendation, just my recommendation is to concentrate wholeheartedly on the addiction that's going to kill you first before dealing with the other addictions, whether it's food, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex, whatever, uh, and, and, and get that one, uh, uh, I don't want to say under control, but uh, uh, get recovery and then deal with the next one that's going to kill you next uh, and, and keep going. Um, thanks for letting me share. My name is Ryan. I'm a sexaholic, and uh, I'm also a compulsive overeater. Um, when I got sober in essay about three and a half years ago, the first four or five months that I was in, I gained about 50 pounds. Um, I basically switched addictions. I went from surfing porn on the Internet and masturbating to binging and filling my face with, with as much food as possible. Um, it's actually... I learned about OA in my fir- at my first uh, SA International Conference in Daytona uh, three years ago. Uh, I was talking to somebody there about my problems, and he just happened to be in OA. So uh, I immediately, when I got back, started going to meetings. And, um, you know, what's been real amazing for my recovery in OA is, is that it's really benefited my S program and that, you know, 90% of the fellowship, at least in Atlanta, uh, of OA is women. Um, and so I've really, you know, getting to hear their stories uh, has been incredibly important to me. Um, it's almost, it, you know, I kind of see my OA and SA programs as being one, you know. Um, it's really the, only the first step that's different. Um, the rest of the steps are the same. And, and, you know, when I've done my inventories in both programs, the same stuff comes up, you know. Um, you know, and my character defects, the, the, the same character defects come up, and I surrender those. And my amends, the same, you know, the same list of people that I need to owe amends to come up. So it's, I see it as, as one program and, and I can act out in, in many different ways. Uh, um, and, uh, I'm just, uh, really grateful for that the, you know, that, uh, you know, the, uh, the plan, the steps are there. Um, that, uh, all I really have to do is, uh, work the steps and the miracle happens. And, and, uh, you know, I am, I'm, I've also, uh, given my story in a way. Uh, a couple times, and uh, for me, it's impossible to give my story uh, in a way without including, you know, my relationship and sex issues because they're intimately intertwined, and and, and they're ki- like kissing cousins, really. Um, and so, uh, I've broken my anonymity in there a, a couple times, and, and the first time I did it, I was incredibly scared, uh, but an amazing thing happened. I was really uh, you know, I was I was I was embraced in that program, um, especially by the women. Um, they were really grateful to hear all the gory details. Um, 
and I was just really surprised. Um, but I think more so than that, they were they were just glad to hear that somebody was honest and 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 and, and uh, uh, maybe I touched on a few things that uh, they were feeling themselves. And um, yeah, another real blessing is 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 hearing women's stories in Owen, realizing you know what they're really they're really not that different than me. I, I'm someone who tends to put women up on a pedestal and 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 uh, and, and thinking you know thinking that they're so different than me and 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 really I, I hear the same stories in OA that I hear in SA you, you know it's separate from the sex and food issues and when it comes to relationships and just living life uh, so um, you know I realize that uh, um, you know I'm not so you know the the men in SA are really not that different than the women in OA and 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 I'm just uh, really grateful for that. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Hello, I'm Pat. I'm a sexaholic. Oh, um, yeah, I needed to share after the last person I'm in OA also. Um, I just know my journey started, um, in 1992 and the alcohol had me terribly. So that was, that was the first thing. Um, switching addictions has basically been the story of my life. Uh, so I go to many different kinds of meetings now. I seem to be addicted to just many things, um, anything that will take me away from reality. Um, it doesn't take much to charge me up. I remember um, Jess was mentioned last night, and uh, I never met him, but I talked to him some. And he did a tape one time, and on the tape he said, All charges must go. I specifically remember him saying that because um, I still had some charges I didn't want to let go of. Uh, <laughs> hidden bottles. I discovered I was a sexaholic uh, in the late 90s. Came here. Uh, discovered I was a compulsive overeater not long after that. Went there. Uh, I had a bad uh, habit in that I'm a retread. I, I had a terrible relapse. Well, you call it good or bad. It was good because it got me back in here. It was bad while I was out there. Uh, but I had a terrible habit my first time around uh, being inappropriate in other meetings about my other addictions. Um, partially, I was told to do that by a somewhat crazy sponsor. Um, some of you might know who that was. Uh, <laughs> maybe you don't. Uh, but um, I, I soon found out that I was getting quite a few people upset with some of this. And um, so I, I try to be real careful now about... Uh, Mentioning that I'm in anything else, if I can help it, you know, wherever I am. Uh, 
I've just found for me that um, the more will be revealed. You know, it's layer the onion. Um, where am I at today? Uh, well, I go to, I don't go to AA much. I do go. I go to SA a lot. I go to OA a whole lot. I go to Al-Anon, and I just started going to Essanon. I think I could easily qualify for DA. Um, compulsive spending is just gosh awful with me. Uh, I, I can really get powerless real, real quick, uh, especially around literature tables. If you looked in my suitcase, you could tell. And... Uh, <laughs> so... I am just, I can't be grateful enough. Um, I do agree with what was said in the last year. Uh, uh, my, my food and my sex addiction seem to be one in the same. Absolutely. Uh, if I start getting dishonest with food, sexual lust is there immediately. If I start getting dishonest with sexual lust, the food lust is there immediately. I mean, it's to me, it's the same thing. It's it's not even different different at all. It's all together. Um, I just thank God for uh, for you people and these programs that uh, you know show me a way out. But I, I have to be honest. If if there's one thing I've found and all of, through all of this since 1992, is if I'm not honest, bad stuff is going to happen, and it's going to happen quick. Not much hesitation. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to leave that open-minded and willing, but that honesty, man, that is that has got to be key for me. So thanks for listening. I'm Benjamin Goodman, coming next to Holly. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. For me, I've only been to a couple of AA meetings. Open, I, I like the open one because if I can't get to an SA meeting, there's nothing else. Better like the other speaker just said was of going to those meetings. For me, it's one meeting. I go to one meeting because I want to stay sober. To me, all 12 steps are all 12 steps. If you work them in the best of your knowledge to work them, you have to work all steps. You know, I've been to meetings that are crazy. I've been to meetings that are nuts. <laughs> I've been in a meeting where I want to stay 65 million away from people, everybody in that meeting. But I know if I don't work my program, there's no, there's no program. You know, for so many years I've sort of program fellowship and now I'm telling the world now that those are two different things. Working, my biggest struggle today is working with other addicts outside the program. <laughs> my family's nuts. And I know because they raised me. <laughs> and for me it's knowing like the first speaker said, knowing that I can't control what they're doing. I don't have the right to know what they're doing. I can just pray for what they're doing. And for me, staying sober, going to meeting. I love this sort of the AA truth. My great open AA meeting was that, which is listening to women. She wasn't all that sober, but sharing her story. And she understood exactly what she did, why she just slipped, and why, why she needed to come back. And that's hard for some people to come back. And I know why if I slip, I'm never coming back. 
I know what happened to me. I will, I would just never come back. And that scares me. For me, it's just the 12 steps saved my life today. And that's all I have. Thank you for letting me share. I'm Adrian, a grateful recovering sexaholic. I started my recovery in adult children of alcoholics. It was there for uh, five years. That was in the late, uh, late eighties. In ninety two, I, I, uh, recognized I had a problem with alcohol and started going to AA meetings. And I was active in AA for, uh, ten years, over ten years. Went to a meeting every day except for the days when I was, uh, going to SA meetings. And, um, I had, a, I, had a, I had a tough time staying sober in AA meetings. A lot of times I used them, used them inappropriately. I was running to those meetings specifically, uh, one, to connect. You know, there was a healthy side. I wanted to connect. But a lot of times I knew that there would be certain individuals there, and I just wanted a little bit of a connection. You know, I wasn't uh, uh, just someone to smile or, or uh, you know, a pretty face or whatnot. And... Um, Eventually, with my sponsor, I started to deal with that. I started to, uh, became willing to, uh, sit on the other side of the room or sit in the back of the room or if there's someone across from me, just quietly get up, get a coffee, sit someplace else. Uh, it was tough. It was really tough. And, uh, and I'll say, uh, at times someone would sit right next to me and, you know, a leg would be rubbing against me and I knew what that meant. And I would just very innocently, you know, get up, and as long as I didn't respond, uh, that was that was the end of it. Uh, but my experience of when I did respond, I set myself up for a real uh, bad downward spiral, and uh, only had one uh, only had one relationship in uh, AA, and that just about killed me. And uh, from that time on, from that time on, yeah. From that time on, when a new, when, an, you know, and, and this was someone that had been around the program for years and years and years, and I thought, well, there's lots of wisdom there, you know, that's what I want, you know. Uh, but from that time on, when a newcomer walked into the room and I, and I felt this pull, I used that environment as a place to heal and grow and obtain uh, some wisdom. Because, you know, within a few months or a year, that newcomer wasn't a newcomer anymore. And they would be sharing the reality of their life, the trauma, the abuse, the violence. And God had revealed to me what I was attracted to. You know, this, this vulnerability, this prey, this person that needed to heal. And it became aware to me that, you know, it's like, you know, there was nothing I could do for that person except for keep my distance from them. And, share my story, you know, when it was my opportunity to uh, share. And that took me a lo- that took me a long way in uh in um, uh sobriety and uh, so eventually I learned to uh keep my distance from those people everywhere because I had nothing to give them. I was, you know, uh, um <clears throat> so um today Oh, I, I guess something else I'll share is, for a while, I, I was like, at my, in my home group, 
I was uh, sort of had some of this essay stuff coming out sideways, and I, and that's really inappropriate. Uh, when we were on page 68 and 69 of the big book, that was the right time to share my story honestly, and I had to be careful that it didn't come out sideways, and I did have people come up to me and say, uh, and ask for help, ask for phone numbers, and, uh, and I also had the opportunity when, when people shared a little bit, like I heard earlier, I could pull them aside and say, you know, I really identify, you know, and uh, just want you to know that, you know, I'm in another recovery program. One instance and, and where I was at this particular meeting where there was three essay members, this is a AA meeting, and when it was my turn to share, I said, you know, I'm Adrian, I'm a sexaholic, and I realized that got the wrong program, you know, <laughs> and the poor guy, the poor guy chairing the meeting, his dear friend today, but he was, he just, his head went down on that book, and another fellow that was a redhead on the other side of the room, he just turned a shade of red, and, but I was okay with it, and when I walked out of the meeting, someone said, you know, I'm, like, he knew I had slipped up, it wasn't a joke, and, um, he said, you know, and he said to me, yeah, yeah. He says, identify with you. We chatted a little bit, and all I could do is plant a little bit of a seed. So anyways, uh, it's great, grateful to be here, and it's great, grateful to be sober one more day by the grace of God. My name is Derek. I'm a sexaholic. Guy over there has been nudging me the whole meeting, so now I gotta come up and say something. Um, yeah, when I was 21 years old, I came in a sexaholics anonymous, and I don't, you know, it's the only fellowship I go to because I'm a sexaholic. And, uh, but at the same time in college, I knew a guy who was going to uh, AA, and he was very open about it and all this kind of stuff, and every now and then I try to throw some jargon his way, try relying upon step three. You know, how do you know that? And I wouldn't be able to explain how I knew that, so I'd make up some story and lie to the guy. Um, you know, let's work in the traditions right there. And, <laughs> and, uh, one thing I do know is, um, you know, my sponsor and I listen to a lot of, uh, AA old timers and stuff like that. And we just, I mean, I can quote those tapes from memory now, I listen to them so often. And I learn a lot from them in terms of how to live the traditions and, and, and how the, the, the principles work in their lives. But at the same time, um, you know, one of the great things about Sexaholics Anonymous is I, you know, it just comes down to one sexaholic and their sexaholic a lot of times. There's a, a guy I talked to who's, um, you know, not in Sexaholics Anonymous, goes to AA meetings and works with uh, people there who are sexaholics. I talk to him fairly often. It's great. And it's just wonderful. I mean, I don't, I never see the guy in a Sexaholics Anonymous and we got the same disease and we just talk on the phone. I never met the guy in person. But you know, you tell him, you know, it's just, it's like another newcomer, you know, call up, man, my genitals hurt, what's going on? I said, ah, it's normal, it'll pass, you know. Cause I mean, where else do you hear that kind of stuff, really? I mean, I'm grateful I hear that kind of stuff here, cause I go in other places, um, I don't know anywhere else where you hear the kind of stuff you hear, you know, I stop, you know, acting out and all this kind of stuff, weird stuff happens, and you know, I hear it from other people that weird stuff happens, so I'm able to get through, like, okay, it's normal for, you know, for this thing to happen, to walk around kind of goofy or all that kind of stuff, you just, you know, kind of get through it. Um, yeah, so I have to limit my experience. I'll shut up now. It's good to be sober. Just let me share. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
my name is Sean, and um, I'm a sexaholic, and I also go to um, an alcoholic. When I go to AA meetings, I'm very careful not to say that I'm from, you know, deal with sexaholic issues, because there are certain certain things I deal with that a lot of people may not understand. If I go to a um, SA meetings. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that because a lot of people know me and they know exactly what I'm into. They know, and they know me. They're friends of mine. And, you know, I could be honest with them. But sometimes I find that, um, when I'm, you know, been stressed out or things are going on that I mix the two up. And, and it can get very funny sometimes, and has been. But um, I'm very, very cautious about what I say and when I say it. But if I'm having something going on in my life, like something is now, I could say it in both, you know, both ways, and nobody, uh, nobody would care less. But as far as other addictions go, I'm into a lot of other things. Sometimes I like to eat and, uh, or sometimes I, um, like to have a cigarette. Some people say, I didn't know you smoke. Says, I don't. I just have like to have a cigarette every now and then. It comes to my nerves. You have a problem with that? That attitude. And, <laughs> That's just the way I am sometimes. And let people know that there's some things you just don't talk about with me. And other people I work with sometimes, they've learned to, um, they've learned to kind of like identify when if something's going on, just be careful. Because I, you never know what can happen. I'm very, and I'm very open about that too. Say I just don't really care to talk about things because I'm very private in some areas. Because I've had things, people say something and they just said it to be malicious. And and I could read what I could read people easily too. So, but um, it's a good topic for me. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. My name is Lydia, and I'm a grateful recovering sex addict. Um, I, I, You know, I'm also a member of AA, and I've also done Al-Anon and OA and S-Anon and adult children of alcoholics over the years. I'm not really even sure what I want to say here today, but what I know what I need to do is just testify, you know, that I am an addict, that the addiction resides within me. It isn't in the bottle or the man or the donut. Uh, and I found that as I was sitting and I was listening to folks talking, um, it made me understand that for me, recovery is not an event. It's a process. And I also love the saying, you know, it's progress, not perfection. 
and it's taken a long time. I mean, the first time I heard that, I understood it intellectually. And at the time, I thought that understanding intellectually was, that was the way it was supposed to be. It's taken a long time for that knowledge to travel from here to my heart, to understand that, you know, it's never going to go away, ever. That I was listening to um, Steve, I think, talk yesterday about the whole inside and how much that is a fundamental part of who I am. And I think if there's one one experience, one benefit, one lesson that I have learned in 12-step programs is I've stopped hating myself. And that to me is, that's the basement, that's the bedrock. Um, you know, when I think about OA, I'm mean, I've always, you know, had a, well, first, I think my first addiction was fantasy. I can remember the first lie I ever told. I was probably four years old, and I remember the sense of power it gave me that I could literally change reality for myself. And I, since then, you know, became a compulsive liar. And when I finally got sober, I've been sober in AA for a while, uh, <laughs> I was having a discussion about this with my mother. Both of my parents were alcoholics, very upstanding citizens. And um, we, I was talking about the importance to me of telling the truth and paying attention to that. That's one of the things what I mean by testifying. I find out who I am as I open my mouth at this microphone. And it's really important for me to do that. So she was mad at me because I she wanted to tell a lie and I wasn't going to back her up in it. So we get into this conversation about, you know, how important it was to tell the truth, how important it was to me to communicate honestly. And she said to me, well, I think that lying is a perfectly acceptable way to communicate. And I was like, this light bulb went off in my head. I thought, no wonder, I learned at the knee of a master. Um, I love my life today. I'm in SA uh, as a result of my husband, who um, is also in, well, he's in SLAA, but it's the same 12 steps. One of the things, this is my first conference. I've only been in SA about seven or eight months since last spring. And one of the things I've learned, and I go to a meeting in where I live, and I'm the only woman. Um, and at first that was difficult. First of all, I felt, I felt weird, you know. I felt that, you know, my experience of my addiction and my recovery is very different than guys. Because I'm different. I mean, I'm a, a woman. What I've found out here is that it isn't. Once you kind of strip away the cultural stuff that goes along with being a woman, it's all the same. It is all the same. It's about self-esteem. I hate that word, but um, not hating myself anymore for being less than perfect. You know, when I think about losing weight, not only do I lose weight, but I'm 18 again. <laughs> That's never going to happen. Um, I'm grateful that I have begun a real path. I mean, I've begun to really accept myself physically in a way I never had before. Um, I've begun to understand it with my heart about the progress, not perfection. I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over again. I'm probably about done. But um, I'm really glad to be here. It's uh, I do a lot of sponsoring. I sponsor women, both in AA, and um, someone has asked me to sponsor them in SA. I'm not quite sure whether I'm going to do that or not yet. And I can't remember what the hell I was going to carry on with that thought. So <laughs> I'm over 50. What can I tell you? Um, so thanks very much for letting me share. Thanks.
Hi, I'm Rob. I'm a sexaholic. For me, sexaholism is actually is the only program that I've been in. But early on, I was encouraged to supplement my meetings with AA meetings. And uh, I remember the first open AA meeting that I went to, you know, they went around the room and I was just in my mind, like, well, what am I going to say? Well, you know, what do I say? And it was... As it as it would happen to be, everyone is going around the room and saying, "I'm so and so. I'm an alcoholic. I'm so and so. I'm an alcoholic. I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic. I'm Cindy. I'm an." Al-. And the last person before it came to me, she says, uh, "You know, uh, I'm Sharon and I'm an addict." And I went, "Oh, thank God, that's what it is." So when it came to me, I was like, "Okay, I'm Rob. I'm an addict." So I didn't have to. I I could. That was the way I could identify myself without having to give away my anonymity. Um, a few meetings later, not at that meeting, but I, I supplemented with another meeting, and I identify myself as an as an addict. And after the meeting, about two guys come up to me, and they're talking to me, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know the drugs and this and that, and it's just <laughs> it's a really horrible thing." And you know, and I'm and, and I don't I I'm like, well, I didn't want to say to them, "That's really great," but I you know I gotta say that's not my that's not my thing. <laughs> So sometimes for me it does get uncomfortable in the, uh, you know, going to AA meetings because it does, people in, in other fellowships have a tendency not to think about this. You know, it's not one that comes up. It's not very socially acceptable. It's typically put in the background. And uh, it is tough for me when I do go to other meetings. Another thing that I do need to share is that, <clears throat> uh, I, I have supplemented oftentimes now with a, there's a morning, AA meeting that's actually closed. It's a closed AA meeting, and I don't identify myself as an as an alcoholic. But I was told, you know, go. You know, you need it, go. And so I do. And what I use it as, I guess, my sort of way of. Um, I, I know that Al- uh, AA has a very you know strict rule. They want to, you know, if it's a closed meeting, it should only be alcoholics. And so I use it as my listen only meeting. Um, I go. Uh, Typically, this meeting, they don't go around and identify themselves. If they do, I just say, I'm an addict. And I figured it, you know, and I, there's been a couple of people who've come up to me and I, and I have said that I'm not. And, but no one said leave. So I've, you know, so I go. And the message is great. I mean, I do get a ton of, um, of information in AA meetings. You know, the, specifically, there was one woman who was sharing, she went to it, she took a trip to, to France, and when she was there, she was identifying with how she was actually with people who could drink normally. And I thought, oh my God, because I, that so resonated with me, because I know other people who can, you know, not that they can be around, that for them, you know, pornography or, you know, the things that I'm addicted to, it's it's not an allergy for them the same way it is for me. And that's what she was describing, that for her, you know, these people could drink without it being an allergy because it's a physical, because uh, I have a physical allergy to lust. And there are people who don't have that. And it was it was great that I could identify with that. And so that definitely uh, listening to uh, people in AA meetings specifically is a, is a huge supplement to my own recovery. And it's tough. Uh, um, you know, there's, there's a number of times when it does get uncomfortable. And... You know, I, I feel like I have to turn that over to my higher power. And if if my anonymity needs to be broken in those meetings, then, uh, you know, God will let me know when that needs to happen. So I appreciate this meeting. Thanks.
I'm Dave. I'm a sexaholic. And it just occurred to me that, uh, there's been a lot of wonderful, interesting sharing. Uh, I had a friend for years in AA who introduced himself as powerless without God. And, uh, that always worked for him. And I, uh, was thinking about the share about getting into one relationship and almost dying. I've been in AA 22 years and for the first 14 years, I got into a lot of twisted relationships that almost killed me. And it took 14 years of that to, for me to finally bottom out on that behavior. And I stopped going around the AA club that I had been going to for several years for that. That was one of the reasons, uh, that I stopped going was just to not get into that, uh, temptation. I didn't know how to handle myself in that environment. And my sister got sober and started going back to the AA club, started going to the AA club where I got sober a couple of years ago. So I started going back there and because I want to be part of her life and I've fallen back in love with AA again. And it's an extraordinary thing, especially now that I can go there and not act out with the women there. It's really a wonderful thing. It's just amazing. I just, I love it. I can't even, uh, describe what a beautiful thing it is to go there and I still struggle with it because it's new to me to be back there in that environment so there is a struggle but it's a it's a struggle that comes along with a lot of uh a lot of trust that God's walking me through that and that I can love these women as sisters um and I go around those those meetings I go around AA and I go around church and I get treated like somebody that's done a lot of things right and uh Coming here and having 12 days sober has done a, done me a world of good to put me in the position of a clueless newcomer. And I need that uh, understanding of who I am as the clueless newcomer. And then I can take it from here into the other places I go in life, whether people know it or not. I know I'm a clueless newcomer everywhere I go. And SA is helping me learn that. But I don't want to keep learning that from living in the problem. I don't want to learn it from humiliation. I want to eventually learn from humility. I want to learn from recovery, from the solution, a way to be humble that doesn't require me uh, doing grave harm to myself and uh, to many others, whether they know it or not, uh, in order to stay teachable and to be, uh, I can't say that I've been humble. I've just been humiliated sufficiently to keep my ego squashed. Uh, I think God has done that for me because I lack the humility to function in the world. He just has allowed me to be squashed with this disease over and over and over and over again. And I, I really hope that there's another way for me. And one reason is because I'm surrounded by people that suffer from this disease that are not in recovery, particularly in AA, but also in my family, church, everywhere I go, people share with me, I guess because of my, what they know about my history, uh, all the trouble I've been in, people share with me their stories. And I just see so much of this affliction and I can't help the people that suffer from it because I don't have any recovery. You know, I can't break my anonymity even privately with these people because I don't, I'm not a, an example of essay in action. I'm an example of essay not working, which I know it works. I know I'm the reason it isn't working, but I'm just not a good witness for essay. And I'm not able to uh, share my story in an effective way, partly because of my own shame and remorse. And uh, I'd, if I had some sobriety, I'd be more comfortable sharing 
the truth with the people that turn to me for help in so many other areas and don't realize that what they're really suffering from is this. And uh, I'm not able to be a bearer of the message because I have not yet allowed you and God to bring me to deliverance from this affliction. And that's all. Thanks for listening. My name is Rich Sexaholic. Um, well, I'm really glad I came to this meeting. Uh, my uh, my sponsor has been in AA many, many years. Uh, and uh, what a terrific... Uh, it's the network. It's the network of these different groups and bringing the experience, strength, and hope from so many different people. Uh, the people in my essay meetings, they're bringing such a wealth of uh, information. But, boy, what comes from these other meetings are just uh, incredible. I want to share especially... Uh, a sponsee that I have from OA. Uh, this is just, uh, he came into SA a couple years ago, uh, right at my darkest, uh, point, uh, in this program. You know, that, that saying in the white book, you know, oh, deepest, darkest, I am he that thou seekest. And, uh, and the, and the real value of that, that the treasure, you know, was just that this gentleman came in, he had a month more sobriety. But he, he identified and he wanted me to be a sponsor. And I, I, you know, never say no is what my sponsor in AA said, and, you know, AA said, and he's in uh, paying attention to that. I said, well, okay, let's work this. Let's work this, uh, let's work this program. And it, and, and it really has made sense that over these last two and a half years, it's this one person helping another. It's one, you know, this, this network of sobriety and recovery. The real gift of this gentleman in OA and why I have so much respect for uh, that program, especially, is is uh, what we call our uh, our daily contact. And I think Mark talked about it last night. It, it's that every day there's a commitment that we connect with each other. Um, you know, we write down our weaknesses. We write down what we're working on. We write down what we need to practice. We write down our gratitude and acceptance, and and we share with each other each and each day. And I, I, it has just transformed us both, and, it, and it, it's such a gift uh, uh, to be able to give back uh, what you know what's going on there. And, then, and all of a sudden, there's other people in our fellowship now who are doing this, and there's just this incredible network reaching out. I, I'm very grateful. Uh, one last thing I have to say: it's just that uh, in 1999, this convention came to Cleveland because I wasn't going to to meet you guys anywhere else, you know. Um, <laughs> And uh, one thing I remember about that meeting was was talking with Tom in the hospitality suite and just how we, he took his time, he took the time to sit with me and talk with me and and help me to get past myself and to, and to understand that there's hope and there's help here. And I'm just say grateful, gratitude, thanks. This has just been a wonderful week and I'm so glad I came here. So pass. My name is John, a grateful recovering sexaholic. Um, the um, uh, I, the the beautiful thing about this uh, this meeting is um, our, our experiences with with other um, uh, other fellowships, and um, the um, it, I, I've been part of the SA group for uh, a little over two years, and um, uh, I, I'm inspired by some of the other speakers 
um, that, that have spoke tonight to um, to seek out a, an OA group because um, you know one of the things is my doctor um, gave me some um, orders to lose. Um, he wants me to lose forty to fifty pounds, and the um, the, the the thing about it is I know that part of um, it, I, I couldn't have you know he he told me that two years ago and I couldn't have um, it. it, it I couldn't have um, undertaken that endeavor, or c- couldn't be about to undertake that endeavor, um, with, without being where I am in in my essay program. Because um, for myself, um, um, p- part of my sobriety, I, I, or part of what I hide behind in my sobriety, is that um, b- by carrying the extra pounds, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be an object um, that that would be attractive to somebody that that um um that that I would have sought out in in my own addiction and so it's it's um it's a way for by, by carrying the extra weight it's a way for me to hide and um in 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 being where I am today in my essay program it, it um it gives me the strength to in in um to venture into uh working on other addictions that I have thanks for letting me share Okay, if you haven't had a chance to share, please see one of us afterward. I'd like to thank again our speaker, Chip, and our participants for sharing the experience, their experience, strength, and hope. And um, remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about in essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. After a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside these rooms, let's close with the third step prayer and make a circle around to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com 
and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.